Hello, and welcome to the Heaven Bound Podcast. My name is Jason Harden. I'm here with Roger Schaus, and we're opening the Bible in search of fuel for your spiritual journey. This is where we talk about life the way it was meant to be and what it means to be a disciple of Jesus in the 21st century. Wherever you are, thanks for joining us on the journey today. We have been looking at the book of Matthew chapter 24 this month, and today we're going to wrap this up. Matthew 24 is kind of a difficult chapter, and so this month we just have been walking through this, reading different sections and kind of explaining what's taking place and looking at this. A lot of ideas from this. Some of them are true to the book and some of them are not, and so we just try to help you go through a deeper study here of this. Uh, it is our thoughts that what Matthew 24 is about is the uh, destruction of Jerusalem, and we've kind of seen how Jesus is just kind of warning his disciples about what was going to take place. When you read this and put it next to what Luke says, you'll notice that some of the passages are not in the same order, and it helps us to get a fuller understanding of what Jesus is meaning here. We remind ourselves that about, about verse 34, Jesus says, truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. And so kind of keep that in mind with where we have been. And so all these lessons are on our, on the podcast and we encourage, and, and our website I encourage you to go back if you've missed any of these to grab this. We're going to go now down to verse 42 of Matthew 24. We're going to read this final section here point out a couple things, and then we need to talk about a concept of the rapture. A lot of people see the rapture in this book and in this chapter, and we want to kind of share some thoughts with you about that. So Matthew 24, and begins verse 42, the Lord says, Therefore be on the alert, for you do not know which day your Lord is coming. But be sure of this, that if the head of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have not he would have been on the alert and would not have allowed his house to be broken into. For this reason you must also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming an hour when you do not think he will. Who then is the faithful and sensible slave whom his master put in charge of his household to give them the food at the proper time? Blessed is that slave whom the master finds so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you that he will put him in charge of all his possessions. But if that evil slave says in his heart, my master is not coming for a long time and begins to beat his fellow slaves and eat and drink with drunkards, the master of that slave will come on a day when he does not expect him, an hour which he does not know. And finally, verse 51 says, and he'll cut him in pieces and sign his place with the hypocrites. In that place, there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, a couple things we need to point out. Again, some of this connects to our earlier lessons as we've talked about this. That phrase, the Lord is coming in verse 42. And again, he talks about in verse 44, for the son of man is coming. Today, for us, when we think about that, we think about the second coming. We have the totality of the Bible before us. That's what comes to our mind. For those early disciples, that would have taken them to the Old Testament. And that was a common expression to use about God's judgment. Oftentimes, God would use that when he talked about the Babylonians or another nation coming in 
to bring the wrath of God upon his people who were not doing right. That is what we got to keep before us. And so once again, the Lord here is describing not his second coming, but I believe the end of the Jewish reign here in Jerusalem as the Romans would come and attack that. Particularly notice verse 42, where he says, be alert. And verse 44, be ready. It's the idea of taking the Lord's words at heart and looking at these things very seriously. Yeah, the power of this, of course, he is the master teacher. The power of this is whether he is talking to this generation, uh, you highlighted earlier the idea this generation wasn't going to pass away until all of these things were fulfilled. Obviously, they, in connection with the destruction of Jerusalem, needed to stay awake be watchful, be ready. But, Roger, as you've mentioned, there is, of course, a dimension where we all need to stay awake, be watchful, be ready. We'll notice some later New Testament references to that. If our study were to continue on, you mentioned that we're rounding off this particular little series today at the end of Matthew 24. But if we kept reading into Matthew 25, of course, He provides a variety of parables, not just this one at the end of chapter 24 about being watchful and ready, right? The parable of the ten virgins, five of them were wise, five of them were foolish. The parable of the talents, well, uh, he, he had... We heard him talk about being faithful and wise versus wicked. That comes through loud and clear. But it all leads to, of course, there at the end of chapter 25, a great judgment scene that is depicted where the Son of Man comes in his glory, all the angels with him. Then he will sit on his glorious throne and before him will be gathered all the nations and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. Jesus is teaching his people in whatever whatever era we live, whatever context. For these people living before the destruction of Jerusalem, you need to be ready because the Son of Man is coming against Jerusalem. But there is also a sense in which we all need to be watchful, ready, wise, faithful, because the Son of Man is eventually going to come. And as we hear there at the end of Matthew 25, all the nations will be gathered before his glorious throne. So even though we're studying an ancient passage with a very specific context, I'd love for our listeners to hear loud and clear. There's a lot that we can learn and apply ourselves today. There is, and particularly when you look at verse 48, it describes that evil slave who says in his heart, my master is not coming for a long time. Yeah. And so, it, you know, the, the old adage, uh, you know, the, the mice will play when the cat's away, you know, that, that idea that, that I can get away with stuff. And so the following verse, he begins to beat his fellow slaves, eat and drink with drunkards, why would you live such a way like that? Well, he's thinking, I've got time. My yeah. master's not coming. I can, I can do all the wrong things I want to do, and I'm going to have time to get it together. And the problem with that is, as the Lord would say, first of all, you don't know when this is going to take place. 
And even before that, we don't know when our appointed time with death is going to be. Right. And so, so it's just a foolish statement to think, well, the Lord's not coming, and so I can just do whatever I want, and at the eleventh hour, I can get my act together. Well, sometimes uh, it's at nine thirty when he comes, <laughs> and and you don't have an eleventh hour, or your life is required at the eighth eight o'clock, and not the eleventh hour. So, so all those just remind us of, of a great principle throughout the Bible, and that is to be alert, to be ready, to live every day as if it's your last day. And and that's some great admonitions I think we all take from this. It's what Peter built on in Second Peter chapter 3, right? When he said that there will come scoffers with scoffing, listen to this, following their own sinful desires. That sounds like that wicked servant, right? In Second Peter 3, they will say, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. Peter rebukes that, corrects that, challenges Christians to remember with the Lord. One day is as a thousand years, a thousand years as one day. The Lord isn't slow to fulfill his promise. The day of the Lord is going to come as a thief and rounds it off with Well, since God is telling us the truth, what sort of people ought we to be? Not people of wickedness, people who are like that wise and faithful servant at the end of Matthew 24. Yeah, and and what seems like a long time for us is nothing for the Lord. Right. I mean, in this country, America, thousand years, that just doesn't exist. I mean, that's just, that's before we became a country, but that's like yesterday for the Lord. And so what we think is a long, long time is not. And that's what Peter's kind of reminding us of. Well, well, having ended that chapter, Matthew 24, let's go back up and notice verse 40 and 41 of our study because it, these two verses are difficult. And it, it is where some use as a springboard to talk about the concept of the rapture. It says in verse 40, then there will be two men in the field. One will be taken, one will be left. Two women, verse 41, will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken. One will be left. And the idea that that is put forth from this is that here's two people working beside each other, and suddenly one just vaporizes. He's just gone. And where did he go? He was raptured up is the concept that a lot in the religious community would want to hold to. And so let's first of all, Jason, say what what is this verse talking about? And then we'll talk about what it's not talking about. Yeah, yeah. Like you said, the, uh, this has been depicted for us in popular modern culture, uh, not necessarily two women grinding at the mill. You know, it's been depicted in novels and television shows and movies as, well, you've got a an airline pilot, let's say, who's flying a plane and suddenly that pilot disappears and the plane goes down with everybody in it or you know a husband and wife the the wife is a believer the husband is not the the husband comes into his living room and suddenly all that he sees sitting there on the couch where his wife was is is just her her clothes laying on the couch the idea that suddenly the faithful disappear all of a sudden, this is a primary verse that many lean on. We'll notice a, another one or two here in just a moment. But 
what is Jesus actually talking about? You, Roger, at the very beginning of this discussion, and we've used it multiple times this month, we need to anchor ourselves to verse 34. Truly, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. What Jesus is talking about here has to have been within that generation, right? He began the chapter by talking about the destruction of Jerusalem. You see all these, these buildings of the temple, do you not? He asked in verse 2, truly I say to you, there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. We went back early on in this series to talk about the abomination of desolation that the prophet Daniel spoke of and trace that all the way through Jewish history, ultimately to 70 AD when the city of Jerusalem was surrounded by the Roman Empire or the Roman army. Jesus tells his disciples, you need to be ready. When you see this, let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let the one who is on the housetop not go down to take what is in his house and let the one who is in the field not turn back to take his cloak. If we put all of that back into its context, okay, what is Jesus describing? I believe he's describing, okay, there are two hypothetical men in the field. One is ready to flee one is not. One is familiar with the warnings of Jesus. One is not, which means one is going to escape this terrible destruction that is coming, and one is going to be caught up in it. Or two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken, and one will be left. What what are we talking about? Well, in its context, you got two women, one, a disciple of Jesus who remembers these warnings that Jesus gave. She's ready to flee, right? She's ready to escape the judgment of God that is falling on the city of Jerusalem and the, the, the region of Judea. One is not a believer or one is not taking that warning of Jesus seriously. She stays and she suffers the consequences. In other words, we're not talking about some future yet to be realized event here. Yeah, you know, and we've read verse 34, which is a key verse about this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. The verse before that, verse 33, says, so you too, when you see all these things, recognize that he is near right at the door. Now, Jesus did not send down a calendar from heaven and say, Mark, June 14th, this is when it's going to be. (laughs) They did not know the day, but they knew there were signs, and the signs would point that they need to flee. And so if you're up there on top of your house doing something, don't go in and get your U-Haul and fill it up with all your stuff. Leave. Leave right now. Uh, if you're if you're at the mill and you're grinding stuff and you start seeing the dust on the horizon, it's the Roman troops coming. Go, go quickly. He would even say in this section, you know, it's gonna be it's gonna be bad for those who have little babies because you got to flee. Hope it's not on the Sabbath. Hope it's not in the winter because Jesus is just reminding them that you have to get out of of the area. That fits within the context. That's what the Lord is talking about here, <clears throat> and so. 
A few years ago, there was a series of books called Left Behind. They became a series of movies. Uh, the idea is that you're just driving down the road and the Lord appears in the sky and all of a sudden you're just vaporized up to be with the Lord. You're raptured up. And car wrecks happen, planes crash, because all these godly people all of a sudden are being lifted up out where they were up into the sky. Now, behind all that, behind that concept of a rapture, rapture is just one little dot in a big theory about the kingdom of Christ. It is believed, that those who hold the rapture theory, that Jesus is not the king today. He is yet to come, and he's going to come to planet Earth and reign a thousand years, literally, borrowed from Revelation chapter 20, which we'll look at in just a moment. And at that time, all the people who have been raptured up with him will be down here on planet Earth, and they will reign for a thousand years with Jesus. Lots and lots of problems in that theory. It's like dominoes. If you push one point down, they're all going to fall down together. And one of the major theories that, that holds that together is the idea that Jesus and the kingdom are not here. The Bible teaches otherwise. The kingdom of God has been established. Now, let's just share a couple of simple verses, and you'll see this. In the book of Mark, chapter 9, Mark chapter 9, verse 1, Jesus was saying to them, truly I say to you, there are some of those who are standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God after it's come with power. Now that means two things. Either the kingdom came in the first century, or there are people on this planet today who are over 2,000 years old. Or Jesus said something that didn't actually come to pass. That's right. And (laughs) And that's not true either. And those last two just are not going to happen. Not at all. Then in the book of Revelation, in chapter 1, and verse 9, as John is introducing this book, he says in Revelation 1, verse 9, I, John, your brother and fellow partaker in the tribulation and kingdom and perseverance, which are in Jesus, was on the isle called Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. John is saying that I am in the kingdom. Now, how can you be in the kingdom if it's not here? Paul would say in 1 Timothy chapter 6 that Jesus is Lord of lords and kings of kings. How can he be the king of kings if he doesn't have a kingdom? So so part of the, the theory of the rapture is that this is going to take place as Jesus comes and ushers in the kingdom. The kingdom has come. And so this idea of a rapture is not true to what the Bible teaches. Yeah, one of the really dangerous things about that theory, if that theory is not true, and of course we've just scratched the surface, but neither of us believe that that theory is true. One of the dangerous things about believing it is there is a second chance once people who believe in Jesus have been raptured. They are, according to the theory, taken away suddenly, mysteriously from the earth. They are with the Lord. And then, as the theory goes, there will be seven years of tribulation. Life will be hard here on the earth, but you will have the opportunity then to make your life right with God. And if during those seven years of tribulation you do that, well, then you will be able to reign with the Lord when he comes again. Now, all of that is well and good if 
the theory is true and if there will be a second chance. However, Roger, you and I both believe, based on the writings of Paul, Peter, and others, there will be a great coming of Jesus like a thief in the night, and suddenly chances will be gone. There will not be a second chance to make one's life right with God. Absolutely. You know, that, that end of Matthew 25, when, 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 or, or throughout Matthew 25, when it tells those three parables, you, you have the story of the wise and foolish virgins. Mm-hmm. It ends by saying, be on the alert. And you have the foolish virgins, and they were out there buying the oil for their lamps. They got to the wedding late. The door was shut. The Lord would not let them. And there's no second chance for them. They didn't get a second chance. And throughout the scriptures, the Bible doesn't teach that. I mean, again, that that would feed into this very idea that Jesus is warning about, that since the Lord's not coming for a long time, I can live wickedly, I can beat people, I can be with the drunks. It doesn't matter because I'll get a second chance. The Bible doesn't teach that. No. Not at all. And And... Examples like Luke 16, we got the rich man and Lazarus. When the rich man is in torment, he's not given a second chance. And, and so that the idea of second chance simply is not upheld by the Bible. Now, the thousand year reign, that's based on Revelation 20. The problem with that, and let me just read a couple of passages here in Revelation 20, verse four, verse five. Then I saw the thrones and they that sat on them and judgment was given to them. It says, and I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of the testimony of Jesus and because of the word of God and those who had not had, had worshiped the beast or the image had not received the mark on their forehead and on their hand. And they come to life and reign with Christ a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were completed. This is the first resurrection. Now, people want to pull out that thousand years and make it literal. Well, if we do that, You've got to keep everything yeah. literal. Only those who are being resurrected are those who had their heads cut off. That's what it says. And then as this chapter begins, he talks about seeing an angel coming down and taking the great, having a great chain, and he chains up the devil and puts him in a prison. Well, the devil is a spirit. How do you chain up a spirit? And so, so as people read this, they want to make part of this figurative, part of this literal. That's not true to language. That, that's not true to good grammar. Either this is all make-believe, it's all fiction, or it's all literal, or it's all symbolism. And we believe it's all symbolism. A thousand years is a period of time. It's not forever. Uh, the, the binding of Satan, not literally, not in the sense that there's a real chain about him and a real prison he's into, but the sense that he's limited his powers. And so the thousand years is right now. That's a period we're in. And we need to see it's not a future context in which some are looking for. We've got to be really careful with books of the Bible like Revelation that we keep them in their overall context. John is shown a vision, clearly. It is a powerful, vivid, um, just uh, so 
impressionistic the way that it can get our attention and draw that attention in in powerful directions, but we need to be very careful about just allowing our Bibles to open there to Revelation chapter 20 without going all the way back to Revelation 1 and appreciating what sort of literature that is. Maybe that would be a deeper discussion for another time. Uh, Roger, before we're done, uh, another passage that is frequently referenced in connection with uh, supposedly perhaps a rapture is First Thessalonians chapter 4, where Paul in verse 13 begins by saying, but we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. There are some who would stop right there and say, okay, well, there it is. Uh, The Lord is going to make the faithful leave the earth. They will meet him in the air. And those who are left behind, to borrow that uh, popular series that you referenced earlier, well, that will be uh, the, the beginning of seven terribly difficult years. Well, all of that gets answered very quickly if we just kept reading into 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, right? The point of what Paul was just saying was to address, what about faithful Christians who have died? And he makes it clear, listen, you don't need to worry about them. The Lord's got them. He's going to take care of them. The Lord is going to fulfill his promise to come again. And when he does, those who have been faithful will be on his side forevermore and all will be well. But that does not mean then that those still on the earth will have any sort of a second opportunity to submit their lives to him. Absolutely. And and as it winds up there in, in chapter 5, about verse 11, therefore encourage one another and build up one another just as you're doing. Just a reminder that we need to be faithful to God yeah. right now. And that that is is really where I think Matthew 24 is trying to get the people to see. There were some troublesome times coming, and they needed to be alert. They needed to be faithful to God. And again, history has shown us uh, through writings like Josephus and others that Thousands and thousands of Jews were killed, but we do not know of any Christians. Why? Because they were given warning by Jesus. They heeded that warning. They paid attention to what the Lord said, and they were ready. The same thing applies to us today, and that there are thousands and thousands and millions upon millions who are living without God today and just thinking of just another day. But we who are the disciples of Jesus, we take heed to what God says. We recognize that someday the Lord is coming as a second coming, and we need to be ready. 
and every day we live faithfully to God. That's that's the the takeaways we need to see from these studies. Yeah, it's been a challenging but critically important look at Matthew 24. We started this series asking, what made Jerusalem and its temple so special? We talked about those ancient prophetic words of Daniel. When you see the abomination of desolation, we heard Jesus's assurance, my words will not pass away. This entire series is available right there in our podcast feed. Uh, Roger, let me just say quickly, you and I are planning a little over a week from now to dig into this from a little bit of a different view, but similar view in in obviously a little more detail. Uh, We're planning on in the month of November on Sunday evenings, a chair series thinking about, okay, in light of everything going on in the Middle East, how should we think about Israel and uh, not just its past and its present, but also anything that the Bible has to say about its future. And so that is something to watch out for on our uh, church website as well, charlestownroad.org. Lots going on in the world where lots of people have questions. The Bible has nothing to fear from deep and honest investigation. But Roger, I appreciate you joining me today. We appreciate all of you for listening to the Heaven Bound podcast. We hope our series of conversations has helped you set your mind on things above and given you a little more fuel for the journey. Always remember when you're walking with Jesus, you're heaven bound and the best is yet to come.